0: Thanks to ZipRecruiter, which is the presenting sponsor of Recode Decode and The Smartest Way to Hire. Staffing tech companies is tricky. From high turnover to rapidly changing skill sets, you really have to stay on your toes. ZipRecruiter knows because they're a tech company too. So it's no surprise they've built a product that uses powerful machine learning algorithms that make finding qualified candidates simple, efficient, and intuitive. If you're hiring, it's time to get smart. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now at ziprecruiter.com decode. That's ziprecruiter.com slash decode. Today's show is brought to you by Audi. The electric car has always raised questions. Can it contend with the elements? And what's the range? With high-speed charging, long-range capabilities, and quattro all-wheel drive, the fully electric Audi e-tron could be the answer. Visit audiusa.com e-tron to learn more and stay informed. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You may know me as someone who thinks people who live in glass houses should move because living in a glass house is a really stupid idea. But in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Robert Homan, the co-founder and CEO of Glassdoor. It's a website that lets employees and their former employees leave anonymous reviews of their managers and companies. He previously worked at Expedia in the early days of that company and currently sits on the board of the nonprofit Tech for America. Robert, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you. It's, it's such good here. timing to have you here. There's so much fury around companies and what they're doing and companies uh, and employees really talking about it. It is an interesting back. time.
1: I think it's fair. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So let's first of all talk about your background. I would like to start in the first seconds talking how people got to where they are. Yeah. So give me your background your not, don't go to birth, but you know what I'm saying.
1: Well, so I think the thing is I started – I grew up in the Midwest, mm-hmm. um, and uh, both grandparents were farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very blue-collar uh, upbringing, um, and I found that I loved computers around sixth grade on a TRS-80. Um, okay, Trash absolutely, 80. 90. Absolutely fell in love with it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just started coding. And, I had a Trash 80. Did you really? You owned mm-hmm. one?
0: Okay. No, it was for where I were. I was a young, okay. young, young, young reporter, and I had one in- We had couplers. So my
1: first computer I owned was a Mm -hmm. VIC-20, but it only had 3.2... K of memory and I okay. needed thirty-two so you're, K. You're
0: really hard geek. Move along. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, yeah. So I made money by bailing hay in the summers. Mm-hmm. That's what you did in that yep. area. And mm-hmm. so I would I would bale hay to to buy memory for my computers. Oh and, wow, and that's it. First, it was well. It worked out. I, I yeah. learned hard work and I learned you know something you wanted. And I, yeah, for something I wanted and right. something that I was deeply passionate about. Too.
0: Right, right. And so you came to Silicon Valley, or what did you went to school to?
1: So where I'm from, people don't usually go off far from school to Mm -hmm. be honest Mm -hmm. Um, but I had an uncle who had gone to Stanford and I did well in school and he said you should apply Mm -hmm. and uh, I got in crazily Mm -hmm. enough Mm -hmm. and
0: nobody gets in now just so you know yeah
1: I know I know actually it's kind of crazy it's totally crazy um and uh, I got on a plane, and I fell asleep, um, and I suddenly woke up in California, and it was one of the most amazing things you've ever seen. Because mm-hmm. if you grow up in Ohio, mm-hmm. right, you, you California is like this, like you know, far away land sure. where like yeah. you know stars live mm-hmm. and everything else. And my grandmother is convinced every major sin in California, so mm-hmm. everyone was opposed to me going, yeah. but I but yeah, I went, and true. it was amazing, and yeah. and that kind of opened. So
0: you stayed here, and then and then you got into computers
1: i did i 'm a software engineer um, in, in my soul i 'm a software engineer. I write code um, and, but, I, but after, and I, and I always wanted to start a company like I had a dream of starting a company from, mm-hmm. from like going way, way back um, but at, at, as I was graduating Stanford, I, I just felt like i didn 't know enough like I, I, I was a good engineer, but i didn 't know marketing mm-hmm. and I think I talked to a lot of tech founders that feel this way too. Um, I didn't know marketing. I didn't know finance. I didn't know a lot of what I thought I would need to start a company. And so I mm-hmm. thought, okay, I'll go work at a big company for a little while and learn. So I went to work at Microsoft.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and by the way, people um, still to this day, when I say I go to work at Microsoft, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I said it silently inside my head. And I'm
1: it. like, no, you don't understand. Like in 93, like that was Microsoft it. Yeah, that was, was it. like, you know, that dominant a in a me, way right, that yeah. like no other uh-huh. company, like even today, like mm-hmm. no one had that kind of, no. it was amazing. And mm-hmm. I worked on Windows for a little, a while, um, and got a really good education, and then met Rich Barton, who was starting... Expedient? Well, it was Microsoft Travel, Travel Technologies. That's right. They,
0: you don't remember, but they had a thing called Mungo Park.
1: Which, oh, I remember Mungo remember Park. Park? Kara Swisher
0: remember? remembers Mungo, well, all of it.
1: And Microsoft Dogs, Underwire. and Microsoft Beethoven, and Underwire, Microsoft,
0: the women's site.
1: I don't remember oh, that yeah, one. that was
0: real tasteless. Yeah, <laughs> Underwire. I yes. was like, what? When I heard it, I was like, no. That you is can't kind do of crazy. That. That's a goofy. Bomber name. was like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh my God, I'm going <laughs> to explain it to you.
1: Bomber's a funny guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: I guess. Yes. <laughs> That's Lots one way of, 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 of putting it. So you, you worked on it, Rich was working on Microsoft Travel, and then you it spun off into Expedia. Yep. And why did you go? Why did you move there? It was an early time for Expedia.
1: Was, yeah, I joined Expedia really idea. really early. It was one of these things another lesson I kind of look back on over my career. I ha- I I kind of had to choose who I was going to place my bet on. And mm-hmm. I I met Rich and I met a couple other leaders at Microsoft and and I placed my bet on Rich as potentially being my mentor and and that's the way it turned out. He's been mm-hmm. my mentor for 25 years and right. um and sort of the rest is history.
0: Right. So you worked on Expedia which was for uh, pe- people who things have changed so drastically in the travel space, but it was literally the first iteration of what was going to happen.
1: Yeah, it, it was. And the, again, the thing that was interesting is, you remember, we were building a website in 94,
2: mm-hmm.
1: 95. Right. Nothing existed. No. So, for the engineers listening to this, mm-hmm. like, you know, it was all on C++. Like, I've lost years of my life to tracking right. down memory leaks. Right. You know, there was no security infrastructure. Right. Like, we had to write all of it. It mm-hmm. was kind of a crazy, crazy mm-hmm. Wild West time on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun. Like, we grew really, really fast. Um, you know, Rich convinced Bomber um, and Bill to spin us out. Mm-hmm. I think we're still the only company that Microsoft ever let go.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs>
1: so Could be. I'd
0: have to think. We yeah. spun
1: out, went public, mm-hmm. um, and that was a crazy, crazy ride. And um, I learned an awful lot about building companies and building cultures mm-hmm. because the Microsoft culture was super fascinating. The culture we built at Expedia was super fascinating. Um, and, and I took that on to my other companies.
0: Right. And so you went from there to where?
1: So, I stayed at Expedia for uh, quite some time, Um, and then in 2000, I guess it must have been five, I moved here to run Hotwire. Mm -hmm. Expedia had acquired Hotwire. I moved to San Francisco from, because I've been in Seattle all this time, Um, acquired Hotwire. I moved down here, did that for a year or so, Um, and then I needed a break. I was tired, so Mm -hmm. I took a year off. I... I worked on my house for a little while, and I learned how to fix anything in my house, good. which is
2: okay. which
1: is I recommend to anybody. It was, right. For a geek, it was a really fun thing. And then I spent um, a good six to nine months playing World of Warcraft.
0: Oh, okay. Um, which was my children. Which that.
1: was yeah. awesome.
0: Okay. And then, but how do you get to Glassdoor? Because I'm like, I mean, you, I mean, Expedia is sort of a judgment site, essentially.
1: Well, so. Glassdoor, I guess, triangulated from two forces. One was Warcraft and gaming, and I'll come back to that okay. one. But the main one was transparency. So if we didn't realize so about halfway through Expedia that what we thought we were an e-commerce site, and if you mm-hmm. would have stopped me, I would have told you that. But in reality, what we were doing was providing transparency to the travel landscape. Right. Like right. we didn't understand yeah. that. But right. but if you think about be. it in hindsight, you had to call every hotel. Oh, I remember
0: f- we call agents yeah. and airlines and you went we to couldn't, airlines. You couldn't call airlines actually.
1: And and, and then if you went to an agent, they had the green screen and you kind of felt like they were interpreting it and you wish you could just take control of it yourself Mm -hmm. and like look at it. And that's fundamentally what we did is we Mm -hmm. provided that transparency and that allowed us to build a really interesting business. Rich went on to do that same thing in real estate with Zillow. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Rich and I got back together and we're thinking about what big decisions do people make in their life where because of the way the world is developed, they have very little information to help them. Real estate was an example. Travel was an example. And where you go to work was a glaring example where mm-hmm. people knew nothing. Like maybe you knew one person that worked at a company and you could ask them what's it like. Mm-hmm. But like you knew very, very little. You knew very, very little about salary information and fair right. pay and, and that's come to mean be very, very important. And so We knew that it would be hard. We knew that it would be somewhat tricky to get right. Um, But if we could get that information out of people's heads in a constructive way, Mm -hmm. um, we could make a contribution. And we might be able to build a really big business around that. And so that's how Glassdoor was
0: born. But where was it thought of? because there'd been like people have like uh, whisper networks about companies and, and people know each other but there isn't a lot of knowledge about companies or, or about p- how people really operate. you mean
1: literally like how did the idea yeah. come up? Yeah. Rich and I were on the phone I'd been playing World of Warcraft for like seven months and, mm. my, and I, so I learned this about myself I hit the max level in World of Warcraft and the huh. next day I called Barton and I was like okay I'm done. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm so like goal driven it's very yeah. interesting I yeah. huh. learned that about me and so we, we literally started brainstorming on the phone about things and he's like you know you remember Remember that time, like we left this, we, we had left a printout mm-hmm. um, of like every company takes these surveys, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. then there's like the detailed comments at the end. And those are the right. best, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Richard or the printed worst them for wherever you're to be.
2: both, yeah. Yeah.
1: They're what you want to read. Like the numbers yeah, yeah. aren't that no, useful. 100%,
2: yeah.
1: Richard printed them out and he'd left them on a printer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And oh. he's like, you remember? Well that? done, Rich. Yeah, exactly. And his assistant luckily had saved him. But we we're like, what if that had just gotten out? And mm-hmm. what if that salary that had everyone's spreadsheet—or the spreadsheet that everyone's salary in stock, mm-hmm. what if it just became public knowledge? Like, mm-hmm. how bad would that be? Right. And, like, we started going through this, the thought experiment of it. And people think Glassdoor was—used to think anyway, Glassdoor was born to stick it to the man. Right. And I used to joke. I'm like, I think I am the man. Like, right. Richard and I are the man. Like, right, we yeah, were yeah. both CEOs of companies. Like, right, that right. wasn't what we were trying to do. Right. We were trying to figure out, like— It's really bad for companies when people make poor decisions about where they go to work. And Mm -hmm. they usually do that because they have poor information. Right. And so if we could just pull this together in a constructive way, it would be really, really valuable. Right. Um, The part that came from gaming was the constructive part is based on the community rules and norms. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the hard part about a site like Glassdoor or any user-generated site. And what I experienced in gaming was the the first time I ever actually belonged to a community for one. Mm -hmm. Like I got up, was happy to see my guildmates.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Um,
1: and the rules and norms that were adopted really kind of, there were some groups that Covered. were toxic and there were some groups that were not toxic. And it was super mm-hmm. fascinating to see how, like, very small, subtle decisions right. were what separated the two.
0: Absolutely. I wrote about that today about donor. I was talking oh. about that concept on community, like, that you can, if you make rules, it's not just rules. You need to have values. You have to have all kinds of things. Yeah. People confuse rules with values.
1: And a way to enforce them. So yeah. when we launched Glassdoor, we started collecting these reviews, and we read them before we published them because mm-hmm. mostly because we wanted to see right. like what's going to come in, right. and we weren't it could sure be yet. But that then, t- and it, like, we were just feeling it as we were reading it. We're like, wow, this is really valuable. And so to this day, I think we're still the only site that's still pre-moderate. So when mm-hmm. you post something on Glassdoor, it doesn't go live. It goes mm-hmm. to a moderator right. who decides if it fits right, norms person. and guidelines. Then it I goes I want to live. talk about this later
0: because I was. it was exactly what I wrote about Twitter today, like that they need to have at some point people, in, Facebook and others, but we'll get to that later. Was it more like you wanted to get the salary information or just the feedback information? Or is there any one part of it? When you were first conceiving of it. And then I want to talk about what it turned into.
1: There were three legs of the stool. There was what's it like to work at the company. Right. Um, Which
0: is comments like this yep.
1: is it. was salary because that's so critically important and we mm-hmm. knew that. And there was basically how much confidence do you have in, in senior leadership. Right. And that was one of those tiny decisions at the time. We were like, hey, let's have a CEO approval rating just like a presidential approval rating. Mm-hmm. Turned out to be like a big deal because mm-hmm. lo and behold, lots of CEOs care about that rating yeah, yeah. and it opened a lot of doors to us and it helped us become important in their organizations because right. it was very personal mm-hmm. Um it's funny, we tested at the time there was gonna be a fourth leg to that mm-hmm. stool. We were gonna let you rate your manager.
0: Oh, individual. Like
1: your your individual manager. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. all the way through the org. And we mm-hmm. we we did the tests with users where we sat behind two-way mirror mm-hmm. and they loved this concept of glass door. Like right. you know, it was just a concept thing then. And and they're like, This is great, can I get it? Does it exist? And you know you got something when people say that. And then we'd get to the part where like they were rating their manager, and then it's like <laughs> just it took about four seconds and you could just see their their brain. Brain turn, they'd be like, "Wait a minute! Does this mean I could be up there?" This yes. sucks. Right. This concept is yes. terrible. And <laughs> 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 it was just clear, like, "Okay, Judge we
0: not lest you be judged." We right? couldn't
1: do that. Like, yeah. that wasn't that wasn't gonna work. It would yeah. take more time to figure that out. <laughs>
0: yeah. So the idea was because one of the things that had broken out in Silicon Valley was this 360 evaluation and stuff like, which was already within companies. Why is that different? I mean, that, that's what they try to do to try to get the full scope. They never get the full scope because people are just about their work experience inside of a company, I find.
1: Yeah, it's it's You have it's to pull it
0: out of them, for sure.
1: Yes, it's, so it's very interesting. What's different about Glassdoor from things like that is, first off, it's public. Mm-hmm. The very nature Let of... Let me
0: explain the, it. 360 is meaning you get, re, you get reviewed by everyone around you, from assistants to people above you.
1: But go ahead. Right, and typically, it either goes only to you or to you and your manager. Mm-hmm. But it's private. Right. It doesn't go... It's not open and available. And so... I don't even think we fully understood at the time, you know, how powerful this would be. But the idea that that um, this information was public and that anyone could see it um, meant that even though many companies get the same information internally from surveys, um, they get a more authentic tone um, mm-hmm. from a independent third party and a platform and also – it forces companies to do something about it,
0: right? Because like, people can see it.
1: Like having run a company, like it's so easy to take those surveys, and it's just like you, even well intentioned, you mean to fix the stuff. Right, and then, You're like
0: oh, that's a disgruntled person. You start to like. Figure. Well, or
1: even if you don't, you know it's a problem, and yeah, you, know you, you know you should, should fix it. it. And it just it just it never makes the list when it's public mm-hmm. and it's harming your ability to hire and recruit. Right. Um, it sort of forces you to deal with it. And and I think, you know, I've had that experience with our own problems right. on Glassdoor, right. posted on Glassdoor. Right,
0: about Glassdoor. <laughs> so, so when you're putting these things public, the idea is to effectuate change that people want to do. They want to have some sort of change. Let's get back to the idea, and in the next section we'll talk more about this, but of sticking it to the man, because that's how people looked at sites like Glassdoor, and it's you know, different. Whatever it was, it was Yelp or wherever it was. And obviously, we can talk about the gaming the system. Later, but you didn't think of it as sticking it to the man, right? That how it didn't.
1: Yeah, and to but be that's honest, precisely
0: what you were doing.
1: Well, we. I wouldn't even have told you that my main goal was affecting change because it wasn't right. actually. Okay. I think that was a that was a pleasant. Um, side effect, my main goal really was to educate job seekers on like what different cultures were like because uh, there are very few bad companies like mm-hmm. yes i 've met them, but like most companies are just very different there 's really type A companies that are super aggressive and there 's companies that are lifestyle companies and they 're more laid back and and it 's kind of figuring out which one fits you um, right. matters and there 's just
0: bad people within companies sure,
1: that is true too. Right. Um, and by the way, that's part of the reason the CEO approval rating we felt was so important is because when it's the very tippy-top person, it does tend to affect the whole organization. Absolutely, 100%. Um, is is Yes, I agree with that, 100%. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that was our goal was to educate job seekers. And so um, – it took a while for companies to come around on this. Um, But there was a kind of wave of transparency happening around us anyway, and that helped, right? right? Twitter was happening, LinkedIn was happening, Facebook was happening. And it was kind of clear that like Yelp was happening, TripAdvisor, that like, if it could be reviewed, it was probably going to be reviewed.
0: Right, so why not make it the workplace?
1: And then the question was, what was different for us and what i always felt from the beginning was this was a little different though this was a review of a company and a serious topic and so i always felt a responsibility to get the community rules and norms right and to make it constructive because there had been sites before us attempting this and yeah. they kind of devolved into cesspools
0: cesspools right well we'll talk about that next when we get back we're talking with robert homan he's the co-founder and ceo of glassdoor which is a site that allows employees to review their companies in anonymous ways um, We'll talk about that also. Today's show is brought to you by Audi. The question of whether to get an electric car always leads to more questions. Can it contend with the elements? Will it have enough range? How long will it take to charge? Does it offer enough space? However, the new Audi e-tron might just be the answer. With long-range capabilities, high-speed charging, and quattro all-wheel drive, it's the first fully electric SUV from Audi. The future is electric. Visit AudiUSA.com slash e-tron to learn more and stay informed. We're back with Robert Homan. He's the co-founder and CEO of Glassdoor. We were just talking about the idea of devolving into cesspools. It's a big topic. In fact, I keep referring to this column I did, but I said Twitter has devolved into a cesspool too much. They've not allowed... Talk about those standards you put in place. And yeah. I don't want to talk about Twitter. I'm talking about yours. Because so, this is the kind of thing that exactly could, like, I hate my boss. It's not constructive. It's just a lot of griping. And at the same time, there's nothing wrong with disgruntled people because they do – because it's a good thing to hear from them. But you'd want to hear from more people so that you have a fuller conceptual idea. Of, That's exactly
1: right. right. So what was different about Glassdoor is that we couldn't – a lot of sites like Yelp or TripAdvisor or other user-generated sites, 0.1 percent of people can leave – the majority of the reviews because mm-hmm. they stay at a bunch of hotels or they eat right. at a bunch of restaurants. Right. If you're reviewing companies, like mm-hmm. it just doesn't work that way. Um, you work at a company and even in the Bay Area, you only change every two years. So we needed lots more people to contribute. That is definitely true. So the structure of the site had to, had to uh, encourage that. And so there was a variety of ways we did that. But – we mostly listen to the community. So Jeremy Stoppelman from Yelp once gave me that advice early on. He said, look, your community's gonna tell you where it wants and needs to go. Right. Um, and we used their reviews and, and the complaints about the reviews to to listen to what was fair. And so things we heard, things we heard were one. It's okay to talk about quasi-public figures in reviews, not okay to talk about people that are not quasi-public figures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pretty rapidly meant we... Couldn't do
0: individual management. Yeah,
1: we made a rule which said you, could, you couldn't even... We have this singularly identifying thing. You can't say, like, the regional director of Akron. Mm-hmm. Like, that's still re, re, yeah. individually mm-hmm. identifying yeah. it. The review comes down mm-hmm. um, or never goes up. Um, there's, so there's that rule. There was rules around, you know... Um, Early on, there was no way for an employer to respond. Mm-hmm. And so then we allowed for an employer to respond and for a job seeker to respond back, and this tit-for-tat started, and that was, that was bad. That, was, mm-hmm. that got really bad fast. Yeah. And so then we adopted the one-response method, which mm-hmm. is basically the review goes up, the p- employer gets to respond, and that's it. Right. And that felt like the right balance. Yeah, because
0: the person had his say. They
1: or, both yeah. had their say. Right. right. Um, hard things we've had to figure out over the years are when someone alleges sexual harassment in the mm-hmm. workplace. Um, well, we'll
0: get to that. It's a whole yeah, – but go ahead. Go ahead well, about.
1: we always look at it through the lens of will it help a job seeker make a decision on mm-hmm. whether to go to work here? And obviously that information is relevant to mm-hmm. whether you're going to go to work there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we allow it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were other types of crimes being reported in reviews that weren't relevant to whether you'd go to work there right. per se. And we, like we decided basically, you know, violent crimes or drug use or, you know, this person, you know – a lot. Of, a lot of times, it's one person doing something to an, uh, another person, which doesn't necessarily right. reflect the workplace as a whole. And so, a lot of times, we would say, "Okay, that that belongs more with law enforcement. It doesn't belong on mm-hmm. the site." Yep. We're talking about yep. things yep. that matter mm-hmm. about whether you'd go to work
0: right. here. Right. Right. And so, uh, over time, you evolve these standards or values. Or, well, there's values and standards and rules are all different things. But the, but we, I find that unusual because a lot of companies here in Silicon Valley don't do that. They just sort of have a free for all. Open is best kind of thing, whatever whatever floats. And, and and companies that made choices like this, like I remember Apple, when they made the app store choices. Now, they haven't been perfect, but they certainly, definitely were mocked at the time that they did that, I remember. Like, why? You can't decide about anything. And I was like, well, yeah, you kind of can. It's their store. They can yeah. put anything they want on their shelves. Yeah. Um, talk about that concept, because not putting things up is such an, an anathema to Silicon Valley. People are like, let's get it all out there, and let's see it. I think it becomes, like you said, accessible.
1: Well, uh, I think it was a little glass door was. Different enough because mm-hmm. of the, the seriousness of what was being discussed is different than Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's different than Twitter. Is the right. fact right? right? So There's I some I actually things have being discussed then. there are but I mean it's such a broad diversity of topics happening on those platforms. I have some sympathy for the decision of when and where and how to moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty clear to us early on that this was going to be a serious conversation. It was meant to be a we wanted it to be a serious conversation. Right. We didn't want it to be. Yeah, do you remember at the time there was. Um, I'm allowed to swear, yeah, please. There was fuckedcompany.com? Fuck yes. yes, I do. Okay, and we were we kind of had a mantra internally like, we don't want to be company.com. Right. Um, well, it was really humorous, but yeah. not very helpful.
0: What was that guy's name who ran it? I don't know, he is at my house once. Oh, he was funny
1: anyway. <laughs> I bet he was. He was really it once. was super funny and entertaining, yeah. but it yes. wasn't actionable Tell me or why useful expect-
0: because it was just like.
1: Yeah it, was, it was, yeah, it wasn't actionable or mm-hmm. useful information. You didn't feel like you were getting the full story or, you know, a nuanced version of the story. Right. You were getting like a sensationalized, you know, uh, extreme version. That company
0: sucks. That kind yeah, of thing. yeah,
1: exactly. And so we, we, we didn't want to be that. We wanted it to be a serious review about a company's shortcomings and the things that make it great. Um, and, and one of the things we asked, is advice to senior management. Like, if you could sit with Steve Bomber, what would you tell him on how to run Microsoft at the time? Um, And like... So you're encouraging helpful discussion. People, like, it was crazy when we surveyed users. Like, that changed the whole tone. Like, they mm-hmm. were like, oh. like it, well, I have to be helpful. That was one of those subtle mindset things that put mm-hmm. people in the mindset of, yeah, if I could tell him, what would I tell him?
0: Yeah, right. It made him serious. So talk about that, because when you, when you have an anonymous platform, it devolves. Devolves is what happens a lot, and pretty much in almost every platform devolves.
1: Well, there's an anonymous... Th- th- There's shades of gray on that, first off. Mm-hmm. Glassdoor is anonymous to the community. Those people are not mm-hmm. anonymous to us. Right. We have to have an email address, and we, al- we also have to be able to communicate with you, or we will mm-hmm. take down all of your content right. on our site um, for all the reasons we've talked about to date. Um, but at the same time, it's super important that your information be anonymous to, obviously, mm-hmm. the community and workplaces, because mm-hmm. work, yeah, no, they obviously. will retaliate. And mm-hmm. one of the debates we had early on was, should we require a company email address to contribute? Like
0: Facebook did with coffee or Or Dell,
1: Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, at microsoft.com or at dell.com or something like that. And we feared that companies could just go look at, you know, logs and see that people. had. So they
0: want to use their Gmail account or whatever.
1: And it turns out big companies won't do that. Mm -hmm. Like big companies.
0: Big companies could do
1: that. They could, but we don't see that. What we do see is little companies like. Usually, small law firms in Florida. I don't know why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seem well, to be like sketchy. the worst behaviors. Behaviors. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when so it comes trying to figure this. out
0: who's being mean about them.
1: Exactly, and they will. <laughs> They'll go look at like every last pe- because they presented to us. They're like, I know who left this review. Like here's the the firewall logs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like oh my mm, god. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is terrible. You can't
0: take a criticism, can you? Right. <laughs> so, but but again, going back to the United States, So devolving. Like, how do you you, you ask? Helpful questions, which yeah. suggests that you want a serious answer, and then people don't just throw mud at each other. Yeah. Um, but it does create a situation where you're going to get a certain type of person versus the whole company. How do you, how do you uh, solve for that?
1: Great question. And we worried about this early on. We were really afraid we'd see this bimodal distribution, either people right. that hate their company or love their company, and no one in the middle. And, right. and like I said earlier, we needed to get a really broad which is where distribution. the truth is, right? Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we created various mechanisms on the site, the strongest of which was if you wanted to eat salary information, you had to give. It's called give to get. You had to contribute.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So... You couldn't, unlike Yelp or TripAdvisor or other, you couldn't consume content on Glassdoor without contributing. Right, right. and to this day, actually, you can't. After like three or four page views, um, right. uh, consume oh, without is, contributing. You have
0: to make them say something.
1: Yeah, you have to give something. Now it can be a salary. You know, if it's if you're if it you know it's going to be light. It'll, it'll be on your phone. Typically, it's a salary. But some people, you, I was skeptical, and but I was stunned at the quality of reviews we got from mobile devices. Like mm-hmm. is. It shocked me.
0: Yeah. Okay. So they had to contribute to something and to create a a thing. So what then became the goal? I want to talk about the business model also, but what became then the goal is to give just as a clearinghouse for information that people can make better hiring decisions, essentially?
1: Um, Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Our our mission is to help people. We wanted to help people find a job and company they love. So if we could— get the information that helped you figure out, like, what's the story with this company? Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I have this offer in front of me. Is it fair? Could I ask for a little bit more? Would I be overplaying Mm -hmm. my hand? Interview questions were a huge one. Like in the, in 08 recession, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: people were freaked out. There are people laid off that had not been ever laid off. Right. Um, And, and like an interview is one of the most stressful things that you do short Mm -hmm. of like public speaking. And I said, if I could just be a fly on someone else's interview, like know how long is it going to take? Like, mm-hmm. What are they going to ask me? Right. And that was one of those times we went, Helpful okay. Helpful
0: information. We, right.
1: we can get that information. Our community would gladly give them right. that information. Right, tell you what it's
0: like there. And ultimately, the idea is to is to give people, place people where they belong, because it's usually a pull situation where the companies pull into, pe- like they pull from LinkedIn or they pull versus a push situation where, the, where employees select companies they like to or not. You don't...
1: Do you mean, you mean the hiring process? Yes, the hiring process. Pull versus push? Um, it's always focused on the company. Uh, you're used to the Bay Area. Yeah. pull in the Bay Area for sure just because there's such a shortage of tech workers. Right, okay. Um, but I don't, Think in the general economy, and certainly outside the United States, in the sure. world economy, it's it's pretty balanced. You know, the the bluer you go, the more push it is, and the more knowledge worker you go, the more pull it is. I right. would say. Right. Okay.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. So your your goal is to get people to understand where they if they're going to th- talk about working somewhere. You ever thought to do more editorial things where you take the synopsis of what people say and then do that. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. So um, like this is
0: like a, this kind of like I could probably describe Patagonia from talking to people who work there myself and I haven't done much research or Google or.
1: Uh, interesting. We have avoided glass door speculating on these companies. Right. Okay. F- for conflict reasons. What we have done, though, is and we have this great Vantage point Mm -hmm. with which to say, what are the patterns we see in great companies? And we Mm -hmm. publish this Best Places to Work list every year, and then we can look and see, like, okay, well, these 50 companies do all the the same. And we we publish a lot of stuff around that. talk about that. Um, Well, so, and we hired an economist to basically then begin to bring some science to bear on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see, my favorite findings on this. Um, Did you know there is an inverse correlation between work life balance and CEO approval rating? Meaning, um, the lower the work—it's slight, but it's there. The lower work-life balance is, typically, the higher CEO approval rating is. Why? Well, and well, as you you go and unpack it, what you find is um, it is not. It is – people are willingly trading off work-life balance to go to work for these iconic leaders and companies. And so like the New York Times article about Amazon and about Mm -hmm. Bezos, you know, slamming Amazon's um, uh, work-life balance. Like we had given the Times like all this data, which kind of contradicted their article Mm. because what it said was, yes, Amazon has terrible work-life balance. That's not – Point. That's, the point is, people are willingly doing that yeah. to go after this admission. Actually, that was
0: one of an interesting <laughs> issue I had. with That I mean, I think being sort of shocked by it, I was like, they like it and they pick there. So exactly. And I in don't fact, know. If those rich people want to get bees. That's their beeswax. You know, you pick what you want. Like you pick the kind of place you want. Not every workplace like is that. the same. I think that's the hard part. Is we imagine workplaces should all be the nice, same nice place. I mean, you pick Allison. For a certain thing, and you pick Google for a certain thing. I'm just picking tech companies. You're dead
1: right, and they're de- and they're totally different, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Ellison's environment is totally different than mm-hmm. Zuckerberg's.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah. they're different. And then there's other things that work into it is where you want to go from there and it's corporate reputation and other things like that. So what else? Give me another one. That's really interesting. Um, that so makes that was total fascinating. Sense, though, Yep.
1: Sense. This is one that's fascinating. Um, it was either the number one or number two driver of employee satisfaction um, was uh, growth opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, it skewed the more knowledge worker you got and the more you got into large metropolitan hubs, the more true it became because what people are doing is on the the day they are dropping into a job, they're basically starting to think about their next yep, job. And so what they're doing is they're basically saying, what can you do to help me in the two or three years I'll be here so that my next step will be a step up. Right. And that Which is what companies they really do. That's a terrible
0: value. job. You know, that's, it varies. Well around diversity, it's really interesting. They spend a lot of time hiring, but not a lot of time retaining and training and managing.
1: Retaining tough, but training well, and but managing, you're right. But
0: moving people up, like, who aren't used to, you know what I mean? Who, moving those people up, they just leave them and then that's it. They think the hiring is the last stop on the—,
1: on the- I guess that's fair that companies have been slow to invest. I've heard from a lot of diverse candidates. Yeah. I think that's probably fair that companies have been slow to invest in this. And then
0: they don't do well and they're like, oh, look, we hired diversity and they didn't do well. It just goes—it's like but you didn't do anything to change the way it was— de- Anyway, it's an interesting— thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um— so that was one. Um, you know, the one of the biggest ones that I think has been fascinating is because we have so much pay data.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And not only it, and its detailed, and it's, and it's mm-hmm. down to the person and their job title and their location and their company, we were able to unpack the pay gap in a way that mm-hmm. I don't think anyone had been able to do before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've heard the, the data that says women are paid 76 cents on the dollar for a mm-hmm. dollar men. That's true, but it's a broad average, which isn't that helpful. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think actually doesn't help the cause. Right. Because if you say that to me or any other leader like, I think we go, we, we I, I don't pay women 26% less. Like, that doesn't mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. any sense. Like, it doesn't resonate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you unpack it, it's like, I forget the exact numbers, but it's like 15% of it's like tenure, and women have typically less Mm -hmm. tenure Mm -hmm. um, because they drop out to have babies and Mm -hmm. for other reasons, and and then the rest of it is job titles, Mm -hmm. Um, or another like uh, 10% of it's job titles, so career sorting. Mm -hmm. Women are told sort of from an early age, you don't belong in tech, you don't belong Mm -hmm. in math, you belong here, and they tend to be lower-paying jobs. When you take those, and I'm not excusing those two, but it Mm -hmm. helps to understand them. It helps to understand that, like, okay, career sorting makes it this much of a difference. Then there's 6% left. Mm -hmm. That is unexplainable. Mm -hmm. And that is probably the true, true bias.
0: Of sexism, yeah.
1: Of sexism. Right. And And how
0: people ask for money and everything else.
1: Yes. And that's helpful, too, because then Mm -hmm. that's a number that I think a lot of people go, I could see how if I weren't really paying attention, six percent right. could get by me.
0: Right, absolutely, one hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. And how people ask for money, how they negotiate for money,
1: and then you can start studying that. We publish these. Tools yeah, because our you don't study. want
0: anecdotal. Anecdotally, I can tell you, men are more aggressive asking for money sure. as a boss. It's one hundred percent. Like, and it, I, that's not everybody, but it certainly is. It's. It's a clear—you can feel it. That's a
1: broad categorization, yeah. it seems to be true, yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. which is interesting. And then you don't know what to do about it. Like, yes. what do you do? Like, please ask for more money. You know, you don't, you're not really—that's not really your business. Yeah,
1: right? I know. Well, so at Glassdoor, what we do now is we started using this—so our economists built this model that basically looked at our—when we do reviews every six months and when we give pay raises and bonuses, now we can basically look to see, do we have gender bias once we normalize for tenure and job title— and we found that we didn't. Um, and But what's awesome is once you have that model, every time we do reviews and every time we give raises, we can see, did we introduce anything into it? Right, right. And you can look at review scores. You can look at bonuses. And right. Like, did you, did you inter- is there any groups that have bias by Right, right, right,
0: or- right, which is hard. All right, we're going to talk about that more because I do want to talk about blind uh, salaries and blind hiring and things like that when we come next. And then also questions around diversity and how companies should think about it and making people happier in the workplace. We're with Robert Holman. He's the co-founder and CEO of Glassdoor, which— It's a site where employees rate their companies. Hey, Rico Decode listeners. This is Amanda Clute Eater's Editor-in-Chief, and I want to tell you about a new TV show that we just launched with PBS and chef Marcus Samuelson. Every Tuesday, Marcus explores the food and culture of a different immigrant community, like the Arab American community in Dearborn, Michigan, the Vietnamese community in New Orleans, and on and on. I really love the show because I'm learning about new cultures and foods and traditions that I didn't know about in the United States, and I hope you can add these destinations to your travel bucket list. Check out the show every Tuesday night at 9 p.m on eater.com/ no passport required or on PBS We're here with Robert Homan he is the co-founder and CEO of Glassdoor. We've just been talking about salaries which is sort of I think the big even though people talk about whether they like their job or they feel good about their job money really does is is a, is a great equalizer in terms of how you It's not feel. the number one driver. Okay, tell me the number one driver.
1: So opportunities for growth is right. there, uh, right. confidence in your leadership is there, yep. um, and it's like money is like number four or something mm. like this. It's not even in the top three.
0: I guess what I mean is equity of money, like that people know who makes what. And like Fairness that.
1: matters. Fairness. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Yeah. So one of the, I think it was Alan Powell was on stage, was we talking about this idea of blind hiring. People have talked about that concept of not knowing who the candidates yeah, are. Yeah, right. What do you think about that?
1: um i think it's a great idea i guess um i think it's a fine idea i guess you know so i think what's challenging is in the bay area in particular bias in hiring right now i think it takes a couple forms i think it takes the form of the 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 community or what already exists in the company right. like some workplaces are just not clearly friendly to women or certain People groups call. right and that's something that has to get better mm-hmm. um, and then I think there's this massive problem upstream which is that you know certain groups and women and other groups have been being told for years you you know don't belong in these careers or whatever else and so you know we're reaping the benefits of that still and it's gonna take years for that to work through and right. you know Girls in Code and, you know, Minorities in Code and a bunch of other organizations, that they're starting to fix that now, it's still going to take 15 years right. before those people are showing up in our, mm-hmm. in our candidate flow. So, yeah, I, I, you know, blind— I know, it's the
0: pipeline issue.
1: The, it is, but it's real. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, the blind thing doesn't resonate that much with me only because, you know, look, if the person can code, like, we don't care— and I know almost everybody I work doesn't care what color they are, right. what religion they are. But there like,
0: are lots of people who have stories like their coding gets— um Judge differently. I mean, I have I, dozens and dozens. It's not a.
1: I think that's fair, and I think that has to do again. It's not a goblin that
0: suddenly appears.
1: That's more to do with once they're then in yes. place at a company, right? How they um, judge, how like is there bias within the company? Right. Right. Um, and I think we definitely can do better there for sure. Right. If these mean, that like, we're I'm hearing. not a
0: shrinking violet, but I've had so many. I, you imagine doing a sexist remark to me, and I've had it. So it's like yes. you know what I mean. And so therefore, no people doubt. who have, I don't. It's not the right tolerance. It's like the, I can imagine if I've gotten them, everybody's gotten them kind of thing.
1: And it's education, too, because I think a lot of people don't even realize they're doing it in some Uh, cases. I'm going to
0: argue with that. I think they do. I think they often do, and I think it's an easy out to say, oh, I had no idea.
1: I maybe I I may be a little, yeah. little over idealistic, uh, yeah. but I think I see a lot of ignorance. Oh, I
0: think there's lots of. Lovely I people. see a
1: lot of ignorance around this topic, where people are like, "What did I say?" Yeah, well, <laughs> it's just like I know. that's not okay. You can't yeah, say it
0: that. happens over and over again. So at some point, it's like clean your room. Like Fair. you know what I mean? Like it's it's ultimately I I make a a joke, and I I think I don't think I believe it fully. It's unconscious bias versus conscious. I think some of it's very conscious, and it's not because it never changes. Because it ne- you know, once it's pointed out, it still doesn't change, and so therefore. You're aware of it, and it, what it happens is a CEO doesn't put it on the list of—like you, you were saying, it's number four or whatever it is. It's often number 14 and not number one, and it never will get to number one, and therefore will never happen because it's got to come from the top down. As you yeah,
1: know. I think that's fair. And the, the good news is— um you know, Gen Z and and even millennials are mm-hmm. demanding this. Yeah, like they want to work at a place that is that is inclusive and that mm-hmm. is taking these things seriously. And if they're yeah. not, like, it, well, it'll take time, but they're going to hold them let's accountable. Let's finish up talking
0: about that. Lots of companies now they've all these message boards. They've got all these internal ones, just like what you're doing. Where I've seen you know, I've written about ones at Yahoo, ones at Facebook, and different things like that, and. People can be very, very clear about what they don't like. And I, I think a lot of these companies like Google and others have encouraged that, real complaints. And I m- remember uh, Sergey and Larry had started their Friday Scream at Sergey and Larry's sessions, essentially, which I liked. I, I've yeah. been at many of them. I think yeah. they're astonishing what people complain about. like It's usually like, the pudding wasn't good. I'm like, stop it. I know, like, The coffee. The coffee. Whatever. Limited
1: coffee flavors. Whatever. I, I've gotten that one, Yeah, actually. I
0: know. Um, I, I, I'm, sometimes I'm like, really? Um, it's <laughs> No, we're not in a It's not even here. a first world problem. I don't even know what world it is. It's a fantasy world problem. But I like that, the idea of complaining to the boss, like the yeah. flat structure. Um talk about that concept, like the idea, it's been around this concept of complaining, but right now, people are not just complaining, they're wanting to do something about it, like Google going into China. There's a huge hubbub going on internally at Google and a very vocal group of employees who do not want this to happen. Same thing with Microsoft and ICE, using ICE, or people at Google, lots, just all over the place. Employees are sort of rising up. And they are really the base, if you want to use, you know, a political term, of these CEOs. I think... People what feel has more happened. emboldened to talk.
1: Yes, for sure. Well, I, I think at a macro point, here's, here's what I think okay. has happened. I think that... You know, in our parents' generation, and I even to a degree in our generation, you were expected to sort of check your heart at the door on your way in, mm-hmm. and come do your work and pick your heart up on the way out, on your way out the door. Um, and you know, your philanthropic work, your do good work, whatever you felt was mm-hmm. important, was supposed to be separate and from work. Right. Um, I think starting with the millennial generation, and it's called people under thirty. They be we definitely see this clearly in the data too. They are demanding that companies break down that dichotomy and in fact they're rewarding companies who are able to align their work with a positive impact in the in the world they want to know like you know I'm working 40 50 60 100 hours a week like is it tell me how I'm making the world a better mm-hmm. place and I'll give you incrementally like mm-hmm. I, I, those companies can pay a little less like like they they yeah. get real value yeah. right. um, for that. I think this is just the next evolution and extension of that. Now, this is a very small group of companies, and we should mm-hmm. we should acknowledge that. But I think that's what we're seeing is that people are bringing more of their entire worldview to work. Now – I think it's a very complicated, like, uh, you know, sticky subject. Like, if you're CEO of a com- – mm-hmm. like, fact is, if you're CEO of a company of any size, you've got dramatically different worldviews.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you, you've you got people that voted for Trump. You've got people that didn't vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. You've got people that are everywhere in, the, in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't claim to be an inclusive environment if you're going to tell people who voted for Trump that they have no place in your workplace. Right. I
0: don't think I don't think that's what it is. It, I'm talking about, like, they have opinion. These employees have opinions on doing work. Like, Google people don't want to work on Defense Department things. They don't want to – like, there's a lot more
1: yeah, speaking up. I, I get that. I was just using the Trump as an example. Yeah. I, I get that, and I think that's absolutely their they're right. I mean, my mm-hmm. father-in-law refused to serve. Uh, in, 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 in. He flew peacekeeping. He flew food aid missions because he refused to drop bombs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that you're right, right? Mm-hmm. That's just an extension of something that happened in the 50s. Um, that's a personal decision, though.
0: Right, but it's the speaking up of employees. I want to talk about that trend, this idea that people now— can't speak up a lot more than they used to, or
1: maybe they don't. Oh, sure. Tra- again, the, the, the force of transparency in the world, and also what's happened to, you know, is, is this balance of power, especially in knowledge workers. So, mm-hmm. if you go all the way back to the 1950s, right, like, you know, the labor economy, labor was completely interchangeable, and if you didn't mm-hmm. like what was going on here, I'll just replace you. Right. Because, like, on the assembly line, I just need you to do this thing. Right. As we became a tech and knowledge economy over the last 70 years, mm-hmm. um, talent began to matter, you actually could make a big difference
2: mm-hmm.
1: relative to the guy next to you on mm-hmm. the assembly line. You were not interchangeable anymore, mm-hmm. and that meant your opinions um, were something that had to be dealt with
0: right. So where does it go from here? Where does it go? You guys make money how? How is the We're a
1: recruiting company recruiting at the company? end of the day. Right. Yep. In the, in the, in the, in we help, help companies hire.
0: Hire. And giving them insights into what people think about their company, correct? Or we
1: do. So we make most of our money by helping companies hire on the platform. So mm-hmm. they list jobs. They can sponsor jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, they can have a why work for us section on Glassdoor, explain their right. mission, vision, and values. Because job seekers will tell you they really value the, what the community says, but they want to hear from the company too. Right, yeah. they, they know that that's the other side of the coin right and then sure like but, um
0: but those nasty reviews can be right next to the stuff that they're they can doing. yes yeah.
1: they can and we will not ever right you know take a review down for a company that is working with us they don't
0: they just, have to, deal with their they just have to deal with it yeah is there something that comes to you to have good reviews what do you think the good the the qualities of good companies are then and the ones the bad ones
1: um the consistent themes that we see around Um, I'm drawn to the leader because it typically Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with the leader. Mm -hmm. Um, Clear communication around a bold mission and vision, like Trump's, like, wins the, not that Trump, (laughs) wins the day again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can just point to these leaders who are just really good at saying, that's where we're going, and communicating it again and again and again. Everybody understands that, and they feel like they're a part of it. Um, And they could be making, they're not tech companies. Like, I remember, like, in 08, um, Caterpillar, the the company that makes, you know, backhoes and stuff, um, laid off, had a huge layoff, and their ratings went up Mm -hmm. because their leadership did such an amazing job actually outlining, like, this is the mountain we're climbing, those of you that are left you know this is what we're going to do and Mm -hmm. like people deeply appreciated it
0: right because they got the honest truth
1: so that's one so you know clear direction clear leadership it's a key one too it's not just the CEO Um, people talk a lot about senior leadership as a group Mm -hmm. who the CEO allows into that circle Mm -hmm. really speaks volumes about what they truly believe right Um, and can't be underestimated. That mm-hmm. one shows up again and again and again right. too.
0: Right, and then bad. What is the? What are the things that pop up? Obviously, lack of communication.
1: Um, rudderless um, companies that don't seem to know where they're going. Um, what do people typically complain about? Um, we don't study bad that often. We study the things that make companies mm-hmm. great. Um, so I'm trying to think anecdotally what I've heard. Um, you know, again, a lot of it will go to the leader. Mm-hmm. You know, people will complain a lot about just a hypocritical um, leader that just, you know, says one thing and does something does completely right. differently. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing tilts people as much as that.
0: Right. Absolutely. So where does it go from here? What's What happens now? You obviously are on mobile. What else? Let's finish up talking about that. What, where does it
1: for Glassdoor. Yeah. Um, we're launching in over a dozen new countries this year. Mm-hmm. So we operate in 15 countries now. We'll add, uh, you know, over a dozen this year. I assume
0: they're different. We're excited environment, about Environment, work environment.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. We expected it, and everybody said, oh, the Germans will never tell you this. Oh, Germans
0: t- never stop talking.
1: It turns out they do, yeah. right? It's exact, almost exactly the same. Right. And, you know, the French are pretty much the same, and the, the, the mm-hmm. UK. so, um, so with a lot
0: more hand-waving.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> like, well, we're launching in Itali- no. Italy this year, oh, so yeah. we'll get more of it this year. You're right. Yeah, um, try to take
0: basta out, but go ahead.
1: You know, Asia could be different. We're, uh-huh. you know, a- Asia is something we'll tackle probably in the next year or two, and mm-hmm. and that may be where we begin to see our first real deep cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. Um, that's big for us. So obviously, uh, we agreed to be acquired by Recruit mm-hmm. just a couple months ago, um, right. and so that's exciting because. Scale, you know, fundamentally, hiring is a matching mm-hmm.
0: problem. You're right. taking
1: a company and you're taking people, and you're being like, who would do well? Right, and, and, and that fundamentally is a data problem. And data problems fundamentally are typically scale problems. Right, and we're pretty big. We see sixty million people a month to our mm-hmm. service, um, but we're not as big as recruit or indeed and mm-hmm. so having indeed as a sister company and being a part of the recruit portfolio mm-hmm. and allowing us to begin to think about ways that we can use our mutual scale to do this mm-hmm. like we can begin to i think help people find jobs at levels that just and no one else like linkedin in.
0: and others fit in to that
1: LinkedIn's one of the biggest competitors we have, yep. um, and they're huge, um, and they have a tremendous amount of awesome data. Owned by Microsoft. What's that? Owned by Microsoft, hopefully a little distracted, um, you know, off yeah. integrating their data into uh, all kinds of other things. I, I will say this. Um, amazing data. I don't know if in their bones they're a recruiting company.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the thing that drew me to recruit is mm-hmm. like in our bones, we are helping people find jobs. Mm-hmm. Like that's why we get up in the yeah, morning. I'm going
0: to get a call from Jeff Weiner, but go
1: ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Jeff believes that. I don't yeah. I don't think he does though. I mean, he's, he's about connecting people with economic opportunity. Yeah. In many ways, they have a broader mm-hmm. mission and in some ways. Yeah, yeah we're, we're kind of focused on a more narrow slice of it of like mm-hmm. we want to help people get jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and that was Recruit's mission and Indeed's mission. And so, you know, you know, that all aligned really, really well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, last question. What's the very worst review you've ever seen?
1: Oh, God. The, oh, I know you mm, have one. Mm, the very... Well, we probably wouldn't have posted it. Yeah, well, maybe. what's one <laughs> you, the
0: you pub posted?
1: Uh, well, okay, so, I mean, we get... Uh, can I just tell you on this topic, some of the funniest, most memorable moments I have at Glassdoor are the content moderation yeah. meetings that we have where right. we get together like every couple months to, yeah. b- to revise the rules.
2: Right. We'll
1: pull a review and we'll put it in front of us and we'll be like, does it belong or does it not belong? And like we have seen everything right. we have seen more ways to spell fuck than you can imagine <laughs> <laughs> right and like we've debated it we're like well if it's p-h-u-c-k is that okay yeah like or if it's a euphemism for it is yeah. that okay yeah. or is it not that is um, a
0: great <laughs> management meeting to have i think i would like to be in that meeting. Uh, it's
1: funny man you like yeah. just pull them out and then of course you get the really really serious accusations but like most of it's pretty funny yeah um and uh, it's like
0: the office, right? Yeah.
1: The worst stuff is probably around accusations of sexual harassment. Yeah. Like, I guess the one I'm, yeah, the, okay, one is jogged. Company, uh, and then we agonized over a lot of the on the site, and we did allow it. Someone said, look, the, the CEO only hires blondes, mm-hmm. and he, they disappear into his office for hours on end, mm-hmm. and rumors fly. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, okay, are we gonna allow this? Or are we not gonna allow it? Does it belong? Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of matters if you're a woman, mm-hmm. a blonde woman, thinking of right. going to work here. Right. Um, and and so we allowed it, and we 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 took the heat for it. And yeah, yeah.
0: Good for you. Well, this has been fascinating, Uh, Robert. I really appreciate it. And thank you for coming on the show. And you're going to stay with Glassdoor, is that right?
1: I am. I'm excited, yeah. Good,
0: good. Oh, fantastic. Recruit is owned. It's out of Asia, right? It's
1: out of Japan. Japan, that's what I thought.
0: That's right. This is really interesting, and we'll have you come back for more. Um, If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcast for more. If you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell other people about the show. This helps them discover great interviews like this one. Now that you're done with this, go check out the latest episode of Recode Media. You can find that show wherever you found this one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Saturday. Tune in then.
1: Hi, this is Todd Vanderwerf, the host of Vox.com's pop culture podcast, I Think You're Interesting. I'm the I and I Think You're Interesting. And every week, I talk to fascinating people from the world of TV, movies, and entertainment. Have you ever wondered what it's like to write a joke for the president? Number one topic we would not joke about was national security. One of the things about writing jokes for a president is if you have the joke... And then, and it's totally in good taste, but then a week later something happens. There's a tragedy, there's a shooting, there's a a terrorist attack. The joke can become retroactively in bad taste. We didn't want anything to end up in a campaign ad. Or what goes into creating the costumes for a blockbuster movie like Black Panther.
0: We brought in the uh, head cutter from the Boston Ballet into Atlanta to give us a new suit for the stunt guys that's cut with these special gusset shapes so that they could perform, you know, like
1: the ballet. You can find so much more information about the show at vox.com slash I think you're interesting hyphens between the I, the think, the year, and the interesting. And you can catch new episodes of I Think You're Interesting every Thursday by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.